All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Wrestling Tonight. And uh, this is actually our first show of 2020. Uh, everything, you know, we tried to schedule a couple shows, but they fell through. Um, so, as always, I am your hardcore host, Mad Dog Butch. Joining me today is, for the record, third time on Wrestling Tonight. He holds the record for the most times appearing on Wrestling Tonight as of today. None other than from Comic Experience Sci-Fi, The Q. How's it going? How's it going? Just let you know, I'm going for 16. Going for 16. <laughs> hey, it may, it may happen. I'm going for 16. Uh, all right. Flair, might... I'm coming for you. <laughs> well, if, if you do that, technically... You got to do about 24, 20, technically 20, 25. Yeah, exactly. technically 24, 25. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, as always, even even though you are a third time guest, uh, we still present our guests with a gift. Oh, wow. I still get gifts. Look at this. So, uh, you will be today receiving the. Uh, 2010, the year in wrestling, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, from yes. 10 years ago, along with a uh, fold-out thingamajigger of uh, trading cards from, oh. I believe, around that same year. Your favorite Undertaker is yes. is there also, so uh, thank, thank you. you very much no, for you. being back on the show. And um, today we are going to- This is amazing. <laughs> okay. Be talking about okay, not so much anymore, but back around this time, right? Years and years and years ago, it was considered bunkhouse season, right? Uh, the NWA, the way they would present it, uh, they would have bunkhouse battle royals, and basically, what that meant was they'd have a series of battle royals, and you could. Bring anything to the ring, wear anything to the ring that you wanted. And then they would have a bunkhouse stampede final with the ones that supposedly won the most battle royals. Right. Um, so they did, I, I think they only did it three times. Um, the other ones were not on pay-per-view. Right. Uh, 1988 was on pay-per-view. So we're going to be discussing that. But also I want to mention that uh, keeping this tradition somewhat alive. This Sunday is the Michigan Wrestling Alliance, the MWO. They, are, they have a uh, bunkhouse brawl annually as well. Um, so th there's going to be, uh, I don't know, I think they've announced over 25 people in, in their match, and that is going to be at the Richfield Road Church. $5 at the door. Um, I'll have to check on, on start time. But um, some of those, some of the people participating in that, the bunkhouse brawl, 
should be calling in periodically um, throughout the night. So, um, so we got that. We are going to review the bunkhouse stampede from 1988. <laughs> um, and not WWE, WWF, even back in 1987, I want to say, tried their hand at mm-hmm. uh, a bunkhouse brawl. At the time, I had, well, actually, it was just a, I think, I, I don't know if it was a bunkhouse. I don't know if they just called it a bunkhouse match or a bunkhouse battle royal or whatever. But I do remember that I had a subscription to the WWF magazine at the time. So every once in a while, most of it was just the same stuff you'd see on TV. But every right. once in a while, you would see something like this. And um, the the thing that stuck out was Leaping Lanny Poffo mm-hmm. was wearing a full suit of armor in it because uh, you could wear whatever, <laughs> whatever you, you wanted. Want, right. So um, – there is a, a clip of it out there, and uh, I am going to play that right now. So here you go. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bunkhouse Battle Royal. The wrestlers may wear anything they want into the ring as they are thrown over the top rope and hit the ground, they will be eliminated. The last wrestler left in the ring will be declared the winner and win $50,000. I don't think Leaping Lanny can see too well when that face plate is down. No, that might prove to be not such an advantage for him after all. Nobody seems to want to take on Bundy. That is until now. Hillbilly Jim spotted him hiding in the corner there. Oh, and the ankle is out of it. And Bill Gunn, the first to go. That's a surprise. That's there goes an upset. Mr. Fuji. Fuji gone as well. He doesn't like that. Deputy's foreman, the corporal, Doherty. The corporal's gone. Big Black Jack Mulligan. King Kong Bundy and Doherty are the last three remaining, and they're both ganging up on Mulligan. The Duke of Dorchester still left in there with King Kong Bundy, and he's giving directions now to the Duke. He's saying, you go up to the top. Oh, look at that. He's sucking him from behind. Bundy's got rid of Doherty. That was really a, a treacherous act there by Bundy. Boy, did he sucker him. Which just leaves the two biggest men left. Bundy, of course. Look and at Mulligan. He's coming back in. He's got a steel chair. Oh, look at that. He gave a shot to Bundy. Bundy's angry. <laughs> look at Bundy. Blackjack's got his boot. Oh, right in the side of the head. And look out. There goes Bundy. And the winner, Blackjack Mulligan. And the Duke goes out once more. <laughs> Mulligan making sure that everybody knows he's the winner. Bunkhouse Battle Royal, and there's your winner. And the winner of the Bunkhouse Battle Royal, Black Jack Mulligan. All right, so 
like I said, as far as I know, that was the only one that uh, WWF ever produced. That actually led to a small feud. Um, most of this took place on primetime wrestling mm-hmm. um, between King Kong Bundy and the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty, okay. who was pretty much a jobber, but he was very popular at the Boston Garden. Um, he wrestled as uh, a masked guy named the Golden Terror for years before that. Um, still kind of a jobber, but um, but so later on they did have, I, I don't know how many matches they, they had, but I know they right. did have one on primetime wrestling with uh, with Bundy and, and Pete Doherty, and Pete Doherty actually beat Bundy by DQ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, so anyway, yeah, Blackjack Mulligan coming up with the victory there. He uh, he wasn't around too long that last that last run that he had there, but uh, oh, but it yeah. seemed like they were going to give him a big push off the off the bat. But at that point in his career, he 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 really couldn't move around a whole lot. Right. Um, and uh, so uh, let's get into the uh, bunkhouse stampede. Okay. For 1988. So the two previous ones. Um, 86, 87, mm-hmm. Dusty Rhodes was the winner. Yes. Um, <laughs> this is the first one mm-hmm. that, uh, that was on pay-per-view. Okay. Like I said. Yep. Uh, so let me just play, I believe this was from maybe 87. I, I'm not sure if this is from 87 or 88, but anyway, it is uh dusty, uh, dusty Rhodes promo, uh, for the bunkhouse, the bunkhouse stampede. So, okay. Uh, of the bunkhouse stampede being the baddest of the bad being the bull of the woods if you will 25 30 million stampeding into one little bit of ring you understand with one thing in mind to hush somebody to kick somebody booty to twist their arm off and put their ankles up in the chin and many mornings i got up dwelling on the fact of being the two times winner of the bunkhouse stampede how am I going to do it this year when last year I had to feel around see if my nose was still on my face? Look up in the morning and see if my ears were still on my head. My eyeballs in the socket was, were playing steady on my mind because I knew Dusty Rose has to be the Bunkhouse Stampede champion for the third time. If you will, for your hockey fans, it's a hat trick. You understand? It's a hat trick. And Dusty Rose now comes at you with this in mind. Anywhere, any place that on the marquee you see the National Wrestling Alliance presents the Bunkhouse Stampede. If you want to just feel a little bit of how bad it is to be the baddest, to be the bull of the woods, then and only then, buy your ticket, walk in and sit down and watch Dusty Rhodes become the bull of the woods. (laughs) So... (laughs) I'm sorry. No, I, I, I'm doing the same thing. Uh, <laughs> Just let you know that. <laughs> Dusty, I'm sorry. No, du- okay, Dusty Rhodes was great. Obviously, yeah. Okay, so at this time, he's still the booker yes. in, in, in NWA. Right. Um, as Greg Gagne would put it later in a shoot interview, Dusty books Dusty. Yes. And, and it was very evident. <clears throat> around this time. I, mm-hmm. I think Dusty was actually probably thinking of maybe hanging it up around this time, and I think he was trying to go out on a on a high, high note. Because yeah. uh, there, was, there was some booking decisions that 
didn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Well, um, uh, they even mentioned that in the pay-per-view. Because uh, apparently he came in as a wild card, and right. he wasn't so really supposed to be in the finals. And he, they were saying that uh, he was thinking about hanging it up, and yeah, he pulled it off one more time. Dusty Rose, Dusty Rose. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it wasn't. It had to be not too long before this. Um, yeah, I think it was Starcade of that year. I could be wrong, but he ended up beating Lex Luger for the uh, the U.S. title, right. which kind of made. Didn't make a whole lot of sense at the time, mm-hmm. um, but then later they they turned Luger into a babyface because at the part, well, they actually they turned Luger babyface during the the bunkhouse stampede. I about to say yeah because he came out he had a huge to, pop yeah leading up to eighty eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what happened there was I think it came down to him and JJ Dillon. JJ Dillon was actually involved in uh, the bunkhouse stampede, so it came down to Luger and Dillon. Dylan was saying they were going to split the money or whatever. I think right. he was telling Luger to like jump over so he right. could, he could actually win. Right. And so Luger does the double cross, tosses Toss JJ out. Right. Instantaneous baby face. Of course. Back in the day. Yeah. Um. So, but but going back to Dusty beating Luger for the U.S. title right after that, he did cut a promo mm-hmm. saying that it was time to lay this old body down and blah 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 blah. Well, at at some point he changed his mind. Um, of course, apparently, yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, I I don't remember ever watching, <coughs> excuse me, I don't remember ever watching this whole pay-per-view okay. in, until this time. What I do remember, though, was were people being very upset about it because whatever pay-per-views cost back then, I don't remember, but uh, this was a very short one. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly, I'd have to check into it, but it could be one of the shortest wrestling pay-per-views of all time. People were upset with the results of it, uh, yes. which we'll get into. But um, so for some reason, there there was a dark match that they, that they did not show. And the match only ended up going like 15 minutes. Okay. This pay-per-view barely was what? Two, was hour, two, two hours. hours? It was like a minute 53. I yeah. mean, hour 53. I'm sorry. Yeah. So... So why they cut this, I don't know why. I, I don't know why. Especially, okay, Sting is kind of starting his career. Babyface push, push right in, here, right? in here. Yeah. yeah. You can tell they're building them up yeah. for bigger things. Um, so the dark match was Sting and Jimmy Garvin, I, I believe, defeated the Sheep Herders, who later would go on to WWF as the uh, Bushwhackers. Bush Bush um, so like I said, I... I don't know if I didn't really look for it. I don't know if footage of that match exists, but um, but I don't think it does because I, I I couldn't find it. Um, so yeah, for for whatever reason, you would think that they would want to put that on there, but they didn't. Right. So you would think. So ultimately, we get what four matches all together? Yeah, it was it was mm-hmm. uh, uh, Barry Windham and Zabisco. It was Nikola Koloff. Nikita Koloff. Nikita Koloff. Bobby Eaton for the U.S. Bobby title. Bobby Eaton for the U.S. title. Um, the, uh, what was it, the, the Heritage the, title? Yeah, the Western States Heritage title, title, which wasn't around very long. Right. But uh, that was the Barry Windham yeah, match. Cool. Yeah. And then Ric Flair and Ric Flair Warrior, and Road Warrior Hawk. Hawk for the world title. And then the Bunkhouse the Stampede. Bunkhouse which, Stampede. Finals, which took place inside a, a steel, steel cage. cage. Okay, so. Which I thought was weird, but. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. But the uh, okay, so this took place almost right right around this time, uh, twenty two years ago. Right. Um, I'm sorry, 32, 32. 32 years ago. I wish it was only twenty two years. Ago. <laughs> uh, we wish it took place from the Nassau Coliseum in New York, and that's mm-hmm. another thing. That's really not NWA territory. And then the whole no. thing, then yeah. the, the whole thing about this. Uh, but anyway, it took place January 24th, 1988. The whole thing about this was it was supposed to be kind of like the Southern wrestling deal. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember like the first promo that I saw about it, and I, I, I did find it on, on one of the other shows, but I couldn't find it isolated, so I didn't, I didn't play it. But, but Nelson Royal, who was like an old-school wrestler, uh, who had kind of a cowboy gimmick. Mm-hmm. They had him sitting around a, a campfire explaining how the bunkhouse matches even came to be. In okay. So, so basically their explanation of it was when the loggers were all, you know, working and they'd all be in the bunkhouse, uh-huh. that, uh, you know, if two guys got into it, they'd just fight right there in the bunkhouse wearing right. whatever they had on and, Right. Blah blah blah, and and if other guys got involved, then that's just the way it was. It was like a big brawl. So right, so that was the explanation for it. So picking New York to do the finals in really didn't make a whole lot of sense. No, doesn't go with the whole theme of the bunkhouse exactly. brawl. But exactly. So um, so our announcers are Tony Schiavone. Yeah, who was and, in the ring. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, he was the ring announcer. He was the uh, ring announcer. Our announcers are Bob Cottle and Jim, Jim Ross, Ross, a young yeah. Jim Ross. So uh, <laughs> I thought that was funny. I'm sorry. But that's, so the number one, yeah. so the first match, the television title match, mm-hmm. Nikita Koloff versus one of my all-time favorites, depending me, depending on which day you ask me, beautiful Bobby Eaton, along with Jim Cornette. Beautiful Bobby Eaton. Yes, with Jim Cornette. Now, on paper, at the time... Nikita Koloff could go. Uh, Bobby Eaton, one of the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. in my opinion. On paper, this could have been a great match. It could have been. Um, I remember they had a match previous to this where it, I, I think it might have gone like 45 minutes on, on TBS, and basically the whole thing was rest holds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I that one actually had an ending, I believe. It had okay. some kind of schmaz ending, but... But uh, I remember like being so disappointed with it, like mm-hmm. like Bobby just kept putting Nikita back in like a, a head scissors like, mm-hmm. throughout that whole match. And I think this so, one was what the wrist lock, right? Yeah, yeah he kept yeah. putting him in like a hammer lock. A lock, yeah. Um, this match was way better than that other one. I will say that. Really? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we so it it goes a little bit back and forth. Uh, you know the. They tried to do like some scientific stuff in the beginning, then they then it breaks down to to punching each other, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I will say this at one point Bobby Eaton gets thrown into the post, and I think he was one of the best ever to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ever watch, if anybody ever watches Bobby Eaton matches, uh, look for that whenever he got thrown into the post on the outside. It was uh, he 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 really sold it better than just about anybody yeah. else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh <laughs> like you said, 
most of the match consisted of Bobby Eaton uh, putting, continuing to put Nikita back in the into the hammerlock. Yeah. Um, Which even they, if, if, if you remember, Jim Ross was like, I'm not too sure about this strategy. Nikita Koloff is one of the toughest that come. I've never, ever seen him submit. <laughs> so why would you True. do that? <laughs> and it's right. like, and I just was sitting there and, and, and 88. So if you, you've seen the show before, you know, I, I'm an attitude era kid. Yes. I was, I'm the Monday Night Wars guy. Right. So it, I told you this. It, it was actually really good to see just basic old school wrestling. Yeah. You know, and, but, but my me growing up in the spot era where big spots ruled the day, mm-hmm. you know, but even when you had your technical matches, when you had your Crispin Wise versus your Jericho's and it wasn't really spot heavy. Right. To me, still, this match was just poorly. I think it was just poorly done. I think it could have been so, like you said, so much better between yeah. those two because those are yeah. two, what they're hall of famers, right? Uh, well, not in the WWE Hall of Fame. But I don't think either either of them are in the WWE Hall, Hall of Fame. Fame. But I think they're in the wrestling Hall of Fame. Right? Yeah, they're in different wrestling in Hall of Fame, of course. Yeah. I, I could see the Midnight Express eventually getting yeah. into the WWE uh, Hall of Fame eventually, possibly, because the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, right. those, guys, those two teams are so synonymous, synonymous with right. each other. Um, you, can't, you really couldn't have one without the other. That feud was going all the way up until a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. until a couple of them retired. Um, but, but yeah, uh, just and, and I can't say that it's you know sometimes you just get guys that don't click. I'm not I'm not even saying that about this. I right. think I think maybe what they were going for, uh, as far as like storytelling in the ring, mm-hmm. was Eaton trying to take out because Nikita Kolas' finisher was the Russian sickle, which is basically a clothesline. Yeah. Um, so I think storyline wise, or or match wise, psychology wise, he was trying to take that away. Were, from. He was trying to take his main weapon away from him, and I think that that's that that's what they were trying to do. I I don't remember if the announcers had put that part over or not. I don't but, think so. But looking back, that's probably what what it was. But I think it was just executed poorly, and I think the finish that they ran out of time. They did, and I think but, the finish was. I would so the after mat the after plot of the match was the Midnight Express attacking the key to call off. I would have rather had that been the finish. You know what I mean? Than yeah. the time running out. Right. So I think at the time, um Dust, Dusty really loved Bobby Eaton specifically, but I think he, he really liked both of the Midnight Express guys. Mm-hmm. So right around this era too, well I think it was right after Dusty won the US title. The uh, the Midnight Express, he started giving those guys, which, which you know, were obviously mainly tag team wrestlers all the time. Right. He started giving those guys single shots at the U.S. title. So there's another, like, side feud. It, it, it's great uh, if you can find it out okay. there. It, it might be on the network. I don't know. But, but it, I think it all took place on NWA's Worldwide Wrestling, which was okay. their syndicated show. Right. Better than their TBS show. A lot of times you'd see a lot of different stuff that you didn't normally see. Um, so Bobby and, and Dusty, Bobby, Bobby Eaton and Dusty, actually had like a three-match feud on there um, where, I I don't know, the first one kind of ended, I, I don't know, it was like a DQ. It, oh, I know what it was. I think Dusty ended up pinning Cornette. 
or something. So then, uh-huh. then Eaton got another shot at it, and it was like, I think Eaton won by DQ or Countout or something. So then they actually had a blow-off in a cage match. Right. And then Dusty kind of kicked his ass, and that was it for that. Right. But I think what they were doing was still trying to give Bobby singles match credibility here. Right. I, th- I think that's what this was about. Um, so like you said, it goes to a 20-minute draw. And again, you could have had a different result. Like like you said, you could have yeah. made me made the match go 10 minutes, have a lot more action, mm-hmm. have it end with the Midnight's attacking Nikita, mm-hmm. and then putting that dark match that we mentioned previously Into the onto phone. the pay-per-view. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, so there, there's definitely some questionable booking decisions on here. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's what it was. Uh, it didn't. Okay, I, I, it's been a while since I watched this because I was we were planning on doing this show at least a month ago. Okay, um, so I wrote down botched sickle question mark. Yeah, uh, what what happened? <laughs> I don't even I don't even remember. <laughs> if I remember, I don't. I think he. I don't even remember him going for it because my whole thought process during the match was why does he keep going for this hammerlock? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. and so, like I said, by me being a child of the '90s, I know I know who Nikita Koloff was. Yeah, it's just you've never really seen him. I've never really seen a lot of his matches. Okay. So, but 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 like you said, now that you, I know his finisher was pretty much the close on that makes sense. I mean, I can pretty much give you Nikita Koloff's whole uh, move move set. Yeah, like, I think he had about five moves. Like, yeah, I think later on. He did turn babyface. Well, he was babyface here, but I must say, yeah, he but, was. Uh, but he would face. throw a drop kick every once in a while. He basically did like a flying shoulder block. He did that a couple of times. Elbow, elbow. You know, but, but simple. But most of his stuff. He was, was a powerhouse. He was yeah, a power guy. Yeah, body slam, suplex. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. So, um, so you know what they did play it up. I think he he tried to do a suplex on Eaton, and because of his arm, he couldn't get it all the way up. And they said something about okay. Even yeah. working on the arm, so he couldn't pick him up all the way. He couldn't get it, and something about something was taken. His strength was taken away <laughs> okay. because of the. So they did mention it, okay. but they didn't go into detail. And I think, like you said, I was gonna make this point. It's funny because, like you said, it was a young Jim Ross, mm-hmm. and you listen to Jr. now, and he's like the greatest thing. You know, yeah. to wrestling. But you look at him then and it's like, I didn't even recognize him. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, if you ever go back before Jim Ross was in NWA, he like toned it down big time because he used to be, he started out in Mid South. Right. Uh, which tried to go national as the UWF, Universal Wrestling Federation. So Jim Ross used to just scream, go, yeah. go, go crazy. I mean, it was entertaining. Right. But it was. I, but he just did it all the time. time. So, right. so he like, and I liked that version of Jim Ross. Okay. So this version of it, I thought was a little bit too watered down. But you know that that's kind of what he did the rest of his career. Obviously, right. WWF didn't want him screaming all the time. But he kind of uh, found his balance when he got to. Yeah, he did. I mean, every yeah. once in a while, he would still overdo it. He would but... still, but but not like I mean, if you ever go back and watch any of that Mid South stuff that when he was the announcer, it's. You'll 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 be surprised. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he just would literally go insane. Like, okay. Like one thing that sticks out of my mind is uh, I think Terry Gordy or somebody. Oh, one thing that used to happen to him all the time is like those guys would always take his chair. 
because he was just sitting in a folding chair. Right. They'd take his chair and and use it on the other guy, and he would just go insane. Right. Be like, Terry Gordy's taking my chair, (laughs) and like just go crazy. Right. But I mean, I did like that version of of Jim Ross. Okay. Uh, I I mean, UWF was a whole Mid South was kind of a different animal. Um, You know, they'd have short matches, but they were like. Action, all out action, yeah. Uh, and, and then you know they they'd have they'd set up feuds. You'd forget about something that happened, and then like three months later, they would something would happen. You'd be like, oh, okay. Well, that's why they set that up three months ago. Right. A lot of stuff that's lost nowadays. Right. Uh, because they think that the wrestling fans' attention span is way too short, and maybe it is. Now. Yeah. Well, that's just that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that one goes to a twenty-minute time limit draw. Right. Um, that that takes us to match number two, and you mentioned it at the beginning: the Western States Heritage Champion, Championship, which is a mouthful. Match. Yeah. Um. So again, obviously, this is a, right on the belt. They had like these the Western, the Southern, mm-hmm. Southwestern states right on the belt. So again, you would think that they would want to do this pay per view somewhere in that area, somewhere more down south than. Mm-hmm. Than in uh, New York, and, and I'm not saying that the New York fans didn't get into it. I mean, they, you know, they were into it's not it, like they were just sitting on their hands the whole time. They were into right. It. They were into it, but mm-hmm. it, it, like you said, it probably would have been a better showing with your normal crowd yeah. down south. Yeah, area. So yeah, so um, so this belt, I, I want to say Barry Windham. I, I I don't know if they actually had a tournament for it. Mm-hmm. I think they claim they had a one night tournament for it, but I think it might be like the Rio de Janeiro Intercontinental okay. WWF thing that uh, Pat Patterson supposedly won. That was like a phantom uh, tournament, a tournament that never really happened. Just so they could um, put the title on. But I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. But either way, Barry Windham, I believe, was the first champion. Mm-hmm. Held it for a little while. So that brings us to match number two: Larry Zabisco with Baby Doll versus Barry Windham, the champion. And I do have to say that. I was never a baby doll fan as, okay. a, as a kid. I, okay. I, I mean, as far as looks go, as, okay. as, a, as a young kid. But she looked very good in, the, in this match. Yeah. Uh, she, so I don't know what was going on. I don't remember her ever being this that thin. Good? Okay. Um, not, not, that, not that that has anything to do with it. But, uh, but yeah, she looked totally different than what, okay. what I normally remember her as. Okay. And... So, so you you told me earlier that uh, that you didn't necessarily remember Larry Zbysko, right? Even but, though you were watching during the during the Monday Night the Wars, Wars, and right. he was in WCW at right. the time. I um, don't really. Maybe I glossed over him. It's one of those things where, like you said, it was it, you were looking for the guys, the stings, and the flares, and the, I just kind of maybe he just got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was an announcer. Yeah. But then he would wrestle too. Right. And uh so New York, I will say this, New York is was very familiar with him. Yeah. Because he was uh Bruno San Martino's protege in WWF before this. Mm-hmm. Ended up turning on Bruno. They had like a, a huge blow off cage match again. Mm-hmm. How they always did the blow offs back then. But yeah. Um, well that was the biggest then, match you could have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um so I I put down. I, sorry, but I don't know why I put some of these notes on here. Like mm-hmm. I said, it's been a while since since I took these. But 
Oh, okay. Never mind. Okay. So I, I put down that Larry Zabisco missed a drop kick. Yep. And then he goes for – so this must have been later on. He goes for a spin kick, but Barry caught it, turned it into an atomic drop. Okay, yep, I, will, I, I will say this, too, about Larry Zabisco. Uh, one of the biggest knocks on him was uh, stalling. Like, he didn't do it here. I was glad to see that he didn't do it here. But right. like so, so before he comes here, after he leaves WWF, he goes to AWA. Okay. And he's a pretty big heel there. Okay. And he's actually married to Vern Gagne's daughter. Oh, okay. Um, or was. I, uh-huh. I don't know if he still is. but um, So he was married to her, so he stayed there for a while. Um, I don't remember the circumstances of him coming to NWA. Um, you know, he didn't really do a whole lot, but at least he changed up his style because right. – I don't think that that stalling style. I mean, it used to piss people off, mm-hmm. that, and that was the purpose of it, right? In AWA, but I just don't think that that would have worked in not here. In, no. It would have been a different kind of heat. I mean, yeah, the crowd would have really probably tried to get a piece of him here, yeah, as opposed to when he was in the AWA. But so I was glad that he he didn't do that. <coughs> um, then I, I I got written down that he had a. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, this was kind of a weird thing. Um, Larry Zabisco had Barry in a leg lock, mm-hmm. and uh, Barry was, like, rubbing his forearm, kept rubbing yeah, his forearm yeah, yeah. in his face. Yeah. Uh, so you don't really see that much anymore. No. Um, I thought the match, to me, honestly, I thought that was the best match on the card. I don't know if you agree. I thought it um, was well done. I thought. I think, yeah, I, I agree, because. Honestly, I I always liked both of these guys. Right. And like you said, I mean, it's more of the old school style of wrestling where mm-hmm. you don't have, it's not about the, the big, huge spots. So I thought this was really, if you break it down, two guys in their wrestling prime just mm-hmm. going out there and having a kick-ass match. Exactly. I, I mean, really. Um, so, yeah, actually, uh, Wyndham, I have, he went for an enziguri. So I don't know if he missed it or not. Then I have I have miss. So that that wasn't something that normally you would see Barry do. Right. Um Barry I, I can't remember if I put him in my top ten of all time or not, but at this time, he definitely would have been. He was one of my favorites for a long time. I think okay. he stayed around a little too long. Um Well, they tend to do that. But he went back and forth so much too. Yeah. Because you know, he's, he's Blackjack Mulligan's son. Mm-hmm. He goes to, when I first started watching it, basically he comes to WWF out of, well, not out of nowhere, but as far as I knew, out of nowhere. Out of, right. Him and Mike Rotundo pretty much win the belts immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was not a fan of Babyface Barry Windham. Uh, look, <laughs> looking back now, I, I am. But, but, but at the time, I, I didn't. Because right. they, they, they booked him, not so much in WWF, but it, when he went back to NWA, he was always like the baby face that was getting involved in everybody else's business, mm-hmm. and it just—it just, it just, rubs just you. like yeah. that was just like his role. Yeah. Um. So when he finally, not too long after this, he turns heel against Luger because they were tag team champions. Joins the Four Horsemen. Um yep. That run with Barry as one of the Four Horsemen, I think, was was fantastic. One of the greatest. Uh, 
runs. I mean, I was like just like a huge mark for that. Yeah, that uh, was. So I said that's really what to me is. Well, you know, that's where I know him from. But yeah. So, yeah. so then he goes to WWF for a short time as mm-hmm. the Widowmaker. Mm-hmm. Going to get seemingly a huge push because his promos, he's immediately talking about Hulk Hogan and getting title shots at, at, at Hulk, and it seemed like they were going to. Didn't stay around very long. Was gone again. I think he had some family issue. I mean, uh, then I think goes back to the NWA, goes back again to the – my timeline could be wrong. Goes back to WWF again as, like, the stalker. Probably goes back to the NWA, goes back again during the uh, Monday Night War era because mm-hmm. WWF tried to do an invasion angle of the NWA. So the Rock and Roll Express was there. Barry Windham was there. And so that was like one of the last things I remember Barry doing in the WWF was getting squashed by Vader. And, mm. and, then, and then I he, actually think I remember that too. Yeah. So then I think he goes back to WCW. And is one of the um, the West Texas Rednecks, okay. Which sort of rejuvenated his career, but um, but it was just at, at that point, you know, he was getting bigger. Yeah. He, he was starting to look more like Black Jack Mulligan, slowing down. So, um, but but at this point, Barry was definitely one of the top guys mm-hmm. in the business. Zabisco was probably up there too, um, but just a different style, right? But these two. <clears throat> yeah, they they had a good match, and I, and I'll agree with you. I think this was uh, this was the best match uh, of the card as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they brought they brought outside. Um, yep, brought outside for a little bit. They kept they kept going to people wearing Michigan University shirts. I don't know yeah. if you noticed that. They kept going to crowd no, shots. I never, a, I didn't... F- a few times they okay. they went to uh, different people and they were wearing uh, Michigan um, sweatshirts. Hmm. Uh, so the referee, okay, yeah. So then the referee gets, gets knocked down. Gets knocked down. Yep. Uh, Classic. And then yeah, baby doll hands has Larry the, the shoe. Yep. Hits Barry. We don't see that a whole lot anymore. That that was like a a thing that they used to do a lot back in the day. Yep. So Larry wins the Western States Heritage title with yes. uh, the shoe. Yep. Um, and has he hides it like in his thigh. Yeah. As the, the, instead, of, <laughs> instead of throwing it back out, he hides it like in his thigh, yeah. and the ref counts, and then he gives it to her, and yeah. she like puts it back on. She's like, "Yay!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that that was well done. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, Larry has that belt, and I want to say that that was it. I, I think Larry, I think Larry held that belt until he went back to AWA. Okay. So what, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's how it went. So I okay. think there was only like the two, the two champions. I, I think Barry and and Larry were the, were the only, only two guys that had it. That's a belt where it's like, it's a mouth. First of all, it's a mouthful. I don't even know who came up with that. Belt. I'm sure Dusty Rhodes. But I think that was just where I, when you come to me when you come up with belts like that, like to me, like the Million Dollar Championship or like the light heavyweight title. It's like you're like I got a lot of talent, and some of them deserve belts. Yes, but I can't give them all the main belts. So let's just make up this belt and give them a title. Yeah, like that's exactly what it was. Yeah, and uh, it's like thirty years from now when you got people like me, it's like that was the first time I had ever heard of that championship when he came out, right. and I was like the Western Heritage. <laughs> what? I was like somebody just pulled that out of their butt right there. Yep. 
Yes, well, that's that's exactly what it was. Um, and yeah, so Barry had been challenging Flair, possibly the best worker on the roster at that time was Barry. So I think they were just throwing him a bone. Yeah, to give him that that belt. Barry always kind of had a belt in there, like um, they 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 had U.S. tag team tag team titles at one point, and I think him and Garvin. Ryan Garvin were the champions. Now, I do remember those. He belts. had the U.S. title later. Mm-hmm. Um, Flair has gone on record saying that, um, I think right before he left, with the, the whole Jim Hurd thing, Flair did not want to lose the belt to Luger because he didn't think he deserved I've, it. Yep, I know he, that. He wanted Barry to win it. Or, mm-hmm. And I think he said he was he would have dropped it to Sting, too. Yeah. I think he said those two guys it was on. Yeah, it was on Sting and Winder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... A lot of people think, including myself, that uh, that Barry probably should have won. He did win a different version of it after Flair took the belt to WWF, yeah, yeah. And, and then they kind of redid the NWA belt. He did win that version of the belt, right. but it's not the same. The belt, yeah, just, it wasn't the same. No, no. And but my my thing was like you said, and that just goes back to Luger because. Is it just something about Luger? Because two, like every company he's been to, they try to push him, and he just doesn't get over. And no one thinks he's deserving of anything. Like that's not the first time that's happened. It happened in the NWA. It happened when he went to WWF, exactly. and then it happened when he went back to WCW. Well, they did. They did put the title on him. No, they put the uh, title on him, but no one felt like. Uh, it's just I. I don't know. I can't explain it. It was like. He was the guy for NWA. Luger yeah. was the guy that they wanted to be. They expected to be the next Hulk Hogan. Or right. their, 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 Hulk their Hulk. version of Hulk Hogan. Right. Um, but you're exactly right. I don't know. I, and, you know, you've heard things about his attitude outside of the ring that he just didn't care about wrestling at all. He just was in it for the money. money. Right. That could be part of it, too. That could be. As far as flair goes, that's that's probably what it, what what it was. was. Yeah. Because... Obviously, Barry grew up in a wrestling family, mm-hmm. knows a lot more about it. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Sting newer to it still, but but probably kept his mouth shut. Yeah, and and wanted was a learner exactly, yeah. and wanted to learn yeah. how things went. Yeah, um, so so that's probably why he felt that way. Yeah, but you know, Sting, you know, well, obviously, you know, was with the Jarrets, so he was a learner. He just grew up and learned. And like you said, right. he kept his mouth shut. Yeah, and just followed directions. Yeah, but um, I just don't get it. I will say this: I I did not. I was not a Luger fan. I th- I thought he was, a, and even other wrestlers, even Barry Windham, who was kind of saddled with the task to train Luger in Florida, mm-hmm. said that it was just so mechanical mm-hmm. in the ring. He just couldn't like loosen up and and just make it flow naturally. Right. Looking back now. On some of Luger's matches, he he looked like a, a technical wizard. Like compared to, I, I guess I guess what we've come to know, and, yes. and some guys that have gotten pushed over the years, or or just whatever. I mean, right. It's just like a whole different style, right? But I I, I believe uh, <clears throat> I think it was the Halloween Havoc uh, pay per view that that we reviewed. He had a match with Brian Pillman, yeah, and and it looked like he was. Um, calling the match, okay, and I was shocked at at how good that. And I, I think that I think we might have even said that that ended up being the best match on the card. 
at the time, uh-huh. I know I would have crapped all over it. Okay. And Brace Beamer would have crapped all over it. Right. But looking back now, and some of the matches that he had with Flair, but Flair and him had matches. I, I, I mean, they were, like, married to each other. Yeah. They, they, he, they, they had matches for yeah. years and years. And that was years one of Flair's, Luger. like, major opponents was Luger. Right. Yeah. And, and that might have been a thing, too. It's like, you know, Flair might have been thinking, hey, the fans have seen this match so mm-hmm. many times. If he wins it, then what are you going to do? We're just still going to have the same match, but it's going to be me chasing him for the belt. And, right. Uh, I mean, that might have been, too. I, I think really what it boils down to, though, is probably his attitude. I think more, so. more than anything outside of, yeah. the, outside of the ring. Because you, cause you hear so many people say that at the time. He had a bad attitude. He just, yeah. He, yeah. he just didn't care. He was just there to get a paycheck. I can, so. I can see that. Well, I, I've heard that, so. All right, so this brings us to match number three. Three. Oh, no, I didn't. Okay. So this is uh, Road Warrior Hawk versus Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight Championship. Which I was <laughs> so shocked that – not to, I'm sorry, but I, I felt like once you see Ric Flair on the card, you're like, all right, yeah. And then he's going against Road Warrior Hawk, which I had said earlier, I kind of felt like it was weird that they would – book him in the world title match. Like, what, I, I understand – you're saying it, you thought it was weird that they booked Hawk in a yeah, world title in, match? Yeah, in okay. the world title match. Like, I, I I guess I get it, but I, I don't understand. Like, normally, like I said, but like I said, I could be wrong because of the era I grew up in. Normally, you don't see – it's you when you see tag teams or people going in a group that's going for a world title, it's just the alpha male in a stable. Like, do yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, like, it's just like, okay, Triple H is the guy that's going to be the world champion. You two are the tag team champion, and we're going to push this guy as the next big mid-card guy. You yeah. rarely see them say, <laughs> okay, Matt, you're going to win the Intercontinental title, and Jeff, you're going to win the European title. Like, right. it rarely happens. Right. So when I seen it, I thought it was weird. Mm-hmm. It. I mean, it did take place uh, – s- Somewhat frequently back then. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, a lot more frequently than later on. Um, I want to say that started maybe the year before or, or maybe even two years before when they would do, the NWA would do a tour throughout the summer called the Great American Bash Tour, which I think mm-hmm. the WWE. They do they the do pay-per-view. pay-per-view. Okay. Yeah. So this was like a tour all, all through summer. So right. I think just to give every city like a different, show okay they uh because i i specifically remember and i think it was probably for great american bash where they announced in the beginning of the tour that mm-hmm. that hawk is going to be getting shots at flair i think animal might have got some shots at flair too so then they would have hawk in a uh singles match on wtbs saying you know against a jobber but right. saying okay this is the move that i'm going to beat flair with and i remember it was like he would it was like he would like get him in like a neck breaker position, and then he would just like kind of hang him up over his, uh-huh. his shoulder. Yeah. Um, so I remember at, at one point that that was like the big deal. Like, okay. like Hawk was going to get these shots, and and he was going to try to beat Flair with this move. So and I think that they actually televised one of their matches from Great American Bash too, where okay. I think it was the same thing where like Hawk got him in that. Yeah. And then it went to a time limit draw. <laughs> yeah. But, so that. Dusty booking. The crowd thinks that Hawk wins the world title, but then but he of doesn't. course he doesn't. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. So so it did happen. 
Um, Hawk, I, I would say probably, taking nothing against Animal, but Hawk was probably, out of the two, he was the one that could have better singles matches. Yes, he was. Um, just, uh, just the way he did stuff. And, and that guy, I mean, there's no denying that guy's charisma. Either. No, I, I mean, I mean, his charisma was just well off the charts too. Right, and we'll, we'll talk about it later. But even in the Stampede final, because uh, Animal was in the finals, and I think everybody else kind of it worked for him because everybody else was just in there. Mm-hmm. Like, do that make sense? Yeah. Like when you were saying Hawk was the better singles competitor, it yeah. worked. You could tell Hawk, like Animal needed Hawk. Hawk didn't really need animal. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I can see what you're saying. And, yeah. and it was like they always tried to book. And the reason for that is they always tried to book animal as more of like the the tough guy. Yeah. And Hawk was kind of more the technical. I, I mean, it, it, it's weird that you say that about either of those guys, but he was more yeah. of the technical. Because they're both powerhouse Singles, yeah. finesse guy. Right. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> see what i got written down for this one um i want to see if you caught something that i caught too but go ahead okay so what i wrote down was hawk controlled most of the match until mm-hmm. flair hit him with uh, a groin shot yep uh then flair takes over for a while um flair gets him in the figure four he reverses it so you missed it okay if you go back and watch the match hawk it's either he comes down wrong or something, and it's the right leg. But then Flair, Flair attacks the right leg for like two minutes, and then he gets Hawk in the corner and starts attacking the left leg. So it okay. throws Hawk off because Hawk was limping with okay. the right leg the whole time. Oh, and then okay. he gets in the corner, and Flair starts attacking the left leg. So then he oh. has to change the limp. And everything. It's so it was so funny. I thought I was the only one that noticed it. But when you go back and look at it, okay. you'll notice it. Like he's grabbing one leg, then like Flair gets him in the corner, and then the way Hawk turned, Flair couldn't get to the right leg, the, the leg that he had been attacking. Oh, okay. So then he started attacking the other leg and he has okay. Hawk has to change up his limp and everything. It was oh, really? it was hilarious. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't... <laughs> If I did catch that, I didn't write it down. Yeah, it um, was hilarious. I said, he he's attacking the wrong leg. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it happens. <laughs> it happens. Uh, I just thought it was funny. So I have blood written down. They, did they both bleed? Or was it no, just, it was flare. just flare? It was just flare. Okay. Um, then I have uh, written down that, uh, so Hawk went for a clothesline. Did he, did he go off the top rope? Because I have clothesline slash ref bump. It was... It was, and that was a weird one too because he went for the he went for Flair. I think he was just trying to close line Flair, okay. but the referee was standing there because Flair had hit him, was about to hit him with another. No, because right after that, Flair hit him with a low blow. Okay, because he hit him with two. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so okay. after Hawk knocked down the ref, Flair hit him with another low blow, okay. and then um, well, Hawk started taking control of the match again because the ref was down for a while. Because after that, J, uh, Hawk hit him with something, and J.J. Dillon a chair. came in with okay, the chair. Okay, I do have this written down. That, yeah. yeah, J.J. chair shot. shot. Didn't phase uh, him, of course. Yeah. No effect. No effect. I, I have that written down. No effect. No effect. And, and then, okay, so then Flair 
when Flair gets the chair, well, what happens is J.J. Uh, Hawk starts choking out J.J. Dillon through the ropes. Okay. Flair picks up the chair, and he's pretty much just waiting for Hawk to turn around. Okay. But Hawk can't turn around until the ref gets in the ring. Okay. So the ref's, like, taking his sweet time getting in the ring. So as soon as the ref gets in, Hawk turns around, and Flair just hits him with the chair, and obviously okay. DQ Okay, but he kicked out at some point. I, I have here that Flair hit him with a chair, and then he kicked out. Uh-uh. I know. The only the one chair shot I remember was Flair hitting him, and the ref seen it. Okay. All right. I do remember Hawk kicking out. That was um when Flair had control, that, that two, three minutes when Flair was in control. Yeah. He came off the top and okay. hit him with the double axe hand. Okay. And I think he hit him with a suplex after that, and Hawk kicked out. And that's when Hawk took back control over the match. Okay. Yeah, I do, I, like I said, I took these notes over a month ago and watched it over a month ago, so I don't necessarily remember. But, yeah, so then we get uh, the DQ because of the chair. Right. Um, now, you being a big Ric Flair fan, mm-hmm. what, did, what did you think of this match? I mean, it, it's, I, kind of, it's, it's almost – well, I mean, I can't really say that because – but but for like a big muscle guy like Hawk, mm-hmm. like Luger, it was kind of or, or Nikita, it was kind of the standard match that Flair would have with one of those guys, right? Back, and, back in the day, back in the day, and it goes to show you that I don't know if you ever remember. Did you ever see the Bret Hart Shawn Michaels rivalry DVD? Yeah, I and don't. remember how they said they were trying to convince Vince that two small guys could run the company, like, yeah. could be the face. Yes. And to me, that's what Flair kind of was, even though he really wasn't that small, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, Flair was the small guy right. back then. Yeah. And <clears throat> I kind of felt like it was overplayed of his... I felt like he could have had a better match. I felt like I understand that Hawk was the power, but I felt like they overplayed his cowardness with the whole, whoa, Wait, hold on. Okay. Like, because, like, every two minutes he was doing that. Yeah. And I felt like that was overplayed. I felt like okay. for him to be the world champion. Don't get me wrong. We know he's the dirtiest player in the game. He's been saying <laughs> it since the beginning of the time. We understand that. But I felt like it, it must have been another Dusty Rose booking because I felt like by for Flair to be the world champion – even though you are the dirtiest player in the game, you still should have some kind of – you're the champion for a reason, if that makes sense. Do uh, that make – like, you get, trying to get where I'm coming from? Yeah. Um, I just I, felt I, like the I, match I, was poorly – I understand what you're saying. Uh, yeah. But there was something that used to exist back then that mm-hmm. doesn't exist so much nowadays, and okay. that is what they call a chicken shit heel. So not that Flair would be a chicken shit heel, but there was just a little bit of that creeping in there. Yeah. Because of that. Right. Because because Hawk is the big power muscle right. guy. So so yeah. Just uh you know, I mean and it I was a the, way it was a way just to get heat. Yeah, and but, I and I but I and I get that and I understand that, like you said, the chicken shit heel. That I mean it makes sense and we've had like you said, it's not as relevant today but we've had a couple of them and it's kind of like oh you know i hate the fact that he's the guy that gets out the ring and waits for a minute yeah. and 
Yeah, like I, I would say the closest thing we've had to that maybe in the last so many years is maybe like a Miz. Yeah, and that, right, and I was gonna say that like yeah. the Miz when he had his run, right? But I felt like I just felt like this match could have been so much better with those two in it. I felt like Flair played down to Hawk, yeah, instead of having Hawk raise his level to Flair. Okay, if um, that makes sense. Now, what era? So, so you missed like. That era, because yeah. you weren't born yet. Right. Uh, so what era did you become a Ric Flair fan? Was it when he was in WCW, or was it after he had gone back to it WWE? Was, it was... Because I was, a, I was a WWF guy for the Monday Night Wars. I like I looked at WCW. I, lo- I liked WCW, but I felt like WCW just didn't... Even at that age, I felt like they just didn't do things that didn't make sense. Okay. Like, you know, you could tell that the NWO, like, once everybody started joining the NWO, it got ridiculous. Yes. That was stupid. Right. But you could, you could, you knew that there was something going on to where everybody started joining the NWO. Because even when it wasn't, when it was just Hogan, Nash, and Hall, they were too powerful. Like, do that make sense? They were yeah. just beating everybody down. And then come out 30 years later that everybody joined because they didn't want to get beat up anymore. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So it's like you knew that going in when even when I was little, I knew why is everybody joining the NWO? Right. Like that this is stupid. Right. But I was a Flair fan then. I was a Flair fan when they had that feud for the when he brought the horseman back to go against the NWO. Yeah. But then they cut the feud short. Like that that was a feud that could have went on for like two or three, four months. Yeah. But you, they didn't do it that way. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. And, but when he came back to WWE as the owner, even though, like I said, I was a Flair fan, but his second run, I thought he was utilized a lot better okay. as the older Flair. Okay. I kind of felt that way. All right. That's just me, but that's just again the era i grew up in yeah yeah i was just curious uh because you never got to see the real flair yeah yeah flair's heyday yeah and, and why people regard him as the the goat yeah yeah because i mean he could make and and this this was a thing and, and now when you like watch or listen to shoot interviews mm-hmm. with people that were like kind of behind the scenes people would get highly upset dusty mm-hmm. would get highly upset with flair for guys that they used as enhancement talent, mm-hmm. he would let those guys throw him around the ring for like 10 minutes before he'd pin him, sometimes on WTBS. Yeah. I'm talking about guys like George South that was, you know, yeah. pretty much a jobber. Yeah. Um, and um, and Mike Jackson mm-hmm. that, that was used in that same role. But, uh, I mean, those guys were accomplished guys, but they never used them in that role. And then right. Flair would go in there. And make so them look they, good. Yeah. And so they would always, uh, the announcers always would always kind of put that over yeah. as, okay, this is his big shot. This is his one shot. Right. So, you know, he's throwing everything at Flair that he can. Right. And then it turns out that Flair really wasn't supposed to do that, and people were getting pissed off. You know, he'd get pissed off at Dusty, so he'd go out and do that or right. whatever. And uh, mm-hmm. so. But it, it, i give you a perfect example of how, why I understood as in this generation, why Ric Flair was considered the GOAT. When I always say when you can 
and not saying this is not saying much, but I always say at the age that Ric Flair was still wrestling, like when he was in TNA, if you can go out and still have the best match on the card mm-hmm. at that age, yeah. it just lets you know that it, that's just talent. That's just there's nothing to it but talent there. Yeah. And I remember as was an episode of Impact, him and Mick Foley went out and had yeah. the best match on the. And this is mm-hmm. when. TNA's best matches was coming from Angelina Love and Madison Rain and them. Okay. And they had the best match on the card. Okay. For Impact. And it was a hardcore yeah. match too. Yeah. So it was some spots, but it wasn't Mick Foley and Ric Flair spotty. Okay. Because they were both up in age and they wasn't really trying to do all that, but it right. was the best match on the card. Yeah. And Ric Flair, that interview they got Jim Ross fired the first time because mm-hmm. Flair was drunk. Yeah. When he mentioned TNA and he was Mick Foley was on the panel, he said we tore it down twice. Yeah, and we tore it down to SummerSlam and in that shithole TNA, <laughs> and that was the match he was talking about. Oh, okay, yeah. I, now there was one pay per view. Did you go to the TNA pay per view that was at the Palace of Opera? No, I missed that. One. <clears throat> yeah, Foley even at that age ended up like jumping off some speaker. Like yeah. you couldn't, you wouldn't have been able to see it if you weren't there. Right. But him like setting it up and we're and I, I was with Brace and we're like. What is he doing? He can't jump that far. I mean, it was like a way into yeah. the ring, and he, I think he missed, but still, it was like, I was right. like oh my god, he, you know, he's still doing he's that st- stuff. But yeah. uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the main event, match number four, uh, the Bunkhouse Stampede Cage Match Finals. So <laughs> to win this match, you actually got to <laughs> throw your opponent out of the over. St- the yeah. top of the cage or through the door. The door. Yep. Uh, so there was, what, eight guys? It was. Uh, Dusty, yep. Rhodes, Road Warrior Animal, The yep. Barbarian, Ivan Koloff, mm-hmm. Lex Luger, The Warlord, Arn and Tully. Yep. So eight guys. Eight guys. Um, and again, you wear whatever you want into the ring. I mean, most of them were just wearing. I, I, Regular clothes. Well, some of them did bring weapons, didn't they? Because they, well, the, they had them belts. The weightlifting belts. The weightlifting belts, which yeah. came in handy from Dusty. Yeah. He kind of whooped everybody a little bit. So so watching this again, I I think what it was, was what they were trying to do here with with the whole bunkhouse stampede deal was the, it, in the territories they would kind of have, again, when they'd want to put a belt on a guy or give him credibility, mm-hmm. they had belts called like brass knuckles title. Mm-hmm. So like all these guys that were like kind of considered like the tough guys. Yeah. Know? Maybe not like way up there as like the technical guys like a Ric Flair or like a Tully. Well, Tully was in it, but like uh, like a Nick Bockwinkel type, right, or something like that. You know, the the these guys were like considered probably the the tough guys for that era. So right. that's why they end up so supposedly. And I'm 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 pretty positive that it was a work that these guys did not really win all these uh, bunkhouse stampedes. To get them there. Right. Um, but either way, these are the eight guys we have. Um, and they go at it for a while. Before, they do. Before anybody gets, gets thrown eliminated. out. Right. Uh, so the first guy that gets thrown out eventually is Ivan Koloff. Which by, was so. By Animal. Right. But I. <laughs> and I, I mean, how. I mean, Ivan's up there in age at this point. Right. Um. And I think he was bleeding too. I mean, he pretty, was pretty much everybody. He was the first match. one to get cut. He was the first one to bust open. Uh, Rose Dusty busted him open on the cell. Yeah, 
So, I, pretty much almost everybody ended up bleeding, didn't they? Everybody uh, except Luger. Okay. I mean, Dusty you know, pretty had pretty ended up Luger. bleeding from the arm because they were, yeah. like, hitting him with the weightlifting belt and poking him with the, with the, with the buckle. Yep. So, <laughs> and, he was uh, bleeding from the arm. Koloff was bleeding from the head. Aaron Anderson was bleeding from the face. Tully was bleeding. I just thought it was weird that you had to throw your opponent. <laughs> I know. Like, go, going back and watching that, it was like, how do you think you're going to make that look good? It was so obvious when they were about to start fighting to get over the cell because they would climb out. And I'm like, how do you explain them climbing up the cell when they, the only way to lose is to get eliminated? So wouldn't you think every, you would think everybody would just stay on the ground? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand yeah. why I was in a cell. Yeah. So, yeah, the, I, this match is hard to judge. I mean, basically, it's a battle royal. It's hard to judge a battle royal. Um, I mean, it was just kind of like a big cluster. I yeah. Mean, throughout throughout the whole thing, and then guys would periodically get thrown out. I wrote down Dusty F bomb. I don't remember that, but I, I, I obviously there was an audible F bomb yeah. from Dusty at some point. Some point. Um. Like even the way Dusty eliminated, um, his the the I'm sorry I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the, let's see the warlord. Uh, warlord. Um, okay. Well, next I have. Okay, yeah. No. The next eliminations were Warlord went out the door along with Animal. Yeah, they went out together. It was the what's the other guy's name? All right, uh, we're going to have to take a break here okay. and uh, because I have somebody on the phone calling in. Okay, so here we go. Basher. What's happening? What is going on? Oh, just uh, sitting back and, and watching the show. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Oh well, thank you. I, I appreciate I, that. I appreciate that. Um, I mean, you're you're making the best out of what you know the Bonkhouse Stampede, <laughs> right? I mean, kind of speaks for itself. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever watched that pay per view yourself? I, you know, it's been year, years. Okay. Years. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I don't think I, I had ever watched it until until now. Uh, I think I'd seen the highlights, if you can call them that. Yeah. Right. But uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, this this one is definitely uh, one of the most infamous pay per views of of all time, I would say. Yeah, well, for sure. And I I missed the first part of the show, so I don't know if you guys touched on it. I'm sure that you did, but the whole point, what I remember about the bunkhouse, you know, pay per view, was that was a catalyst for the creation of the Royal Rumble. Yes. And, yeah. And so the you know I was a WWF guy. You know, I watched the, the NWA, but, you know, had it not been for the bunkhouse stampede, there would maybe not have been a Royal Rumble. Yeah. Um, so I, so if you didn't catch the beginning, you probably did not catch the part where I mentioned that WWF actually tried their hand at a bunkhouse uh, battle royal themselves. As far as I know, they only had one. They might have had more. Um, and, I, and I played a clip of it. We played a clip of it in the beginning. Um, Blackjack Mulligan won the one that they showed on primetime wrestling. Okay. Uh, but everybody, you know, it, it was like the same deal where everybody could wear whatever they wanted in the ring. 
Uh, most notably, I, well, somebody else like was wearing like a full football uniform, and I don't remember who that was. But most notably, Lanny Poffo had a whole suit of armor. You know in what? It. <laughs> that he I wore remember still. that because they they covered it in the WWF <laughs> a magazine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's what I mentioned too. Um, because I had a subscription to that, and I was I was telling uh, Q that. A lot of times, for the most part, the WWF magazine would cover what was going on on TV. But every once in a while, they'd throw something like that out there. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But there, there is a, a clip of it out there, at least, that I played. I don't know if the whole uh, match is out there anywhere. But, um, but anyway, let's talk about the Michigan Wrestling Organization bunkhouse brawl coming up. What, what number bunkhouse brawl is this? Oh, geez. What year is it? Uh, well, it started in 2002 for, for us. Uh, okay. Now, now, the format, you know, of the Bunkhouse Brawl match has changed over the years. We've, we've since, probably in the last 10 years, have adopted the more Royal Rumble type of, of format. You know, you start yes. with two guys. Every two minutes, another one comes out. Right. And it, uh, you know, like... Like the Royal Rumble, the Bunkhouse Brawl, you, you know, kicks off our WrestleRama season, and uh, it has become one of our more popular shows. And this Sunday, uh, the Richfield Road Church in Flint is going to host this thing again. We've got 25 guys on tap for the Bunkhouse Brawl match. Nice. Uh, we have uh, three title matches on the undercard, and uh, it's going to be a good show, man. Uh, I did mention in the beginning, but I did not remember what the bell. What's the bell time? Uh, it, it, the, the show will start at uh, three p.m. Okay. All right. All right. Now, what uh, what is your role? Are are you going to be and and in a singles match, or are you going to be in the uh, the bunkhouse brawl itself, or or are you even going to be on the show? Well, Mad Dog, you know you've been around me long enough to know that I never show all of my cards. Right. I, you know, being the CEO of the Michigan Wrestling Organization, I can pretty much do whatever the hell it is I want to do. Exactly. Pretty much. I will tell you, I will be at the Richfield Road Church. There is a particular su- superstar I um, have my eyes on. I, you know, stemming from all the controversy at Christmas Clash. And that would be mm-hmm. ex-convict. You know, ex-convict okay. has um, he has been announced as a, as one of the superstars who will be in the bunkhouse brawl match. So I'm certainly going to you know have my eyes on that particular I- individual. Okay. okay. Uh, now, as far as history goes, um, how many bunkhouse brawls have you won in the past? Three. Okay. Are are oh. you? Now, have you won the most out of anybody over the years? Or uh... yes, okay. Yep. There's only been, uh, you know, a couple guys that have won multiples. Okay. Um, I, you know, I, I have won three. That that remains the, the record at this point. All right. Uh, nobody really close to to tying that record at this point. But I mean, you never know what's going to happen in the MWO, Mad Dog. You know that as well as. From the slamming Saturday night shows that we do there at ONTV to yes, you know our shows at the Richfield Road Church and then WrestleRama, you never know what's going to happen. Right, and now this speaking of WrestleRama, this 
is normally kind of the uh, the 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 first step going towards WrestleMania. What what's gonna what happens here Sunday kind of sets the tone for WrestleMania. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. You know, much like the Rumble, it's you know the WWE's show. You know, the winner of the Bunkhouse Brawl will earn a shot at the MWO Championship in the main event of, of WrestleRama 26. Uh, we are very close to making the announcement as to when and where uh, WrestleRama w- will be held at this year. Okay. And, uh, you know, we're, my office is working hard to, uh, to finalize a deal, and uh, hopefully by Sunday we will be able to, to make that, that announcement. All right, that sounds great. Uh, so, anybody, uh, there's a sounds like there's a lot of things to look forward to. Um, if you've never been to a bunkhouse brawl, uh, I I can't see anybody de- being disappointed with with one of those. Um, no, certainly not. Nonstop action for for an hour. You, yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. Guys coming in, guys being eliminated. You know, it's every man for himself, but that doesn't mean that you see that you won't see some odd pairings, odd partnerships, and or you know, because you get a guy like like a Blackwell. You know, my God, four hundred pounds. Oh yeah, six foot yeah. five. You right. know, it's it's going to take more than one average guy to to throw his big ass over, <laughs> over the top rope. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, now let just, just as far as history goes, uh, well, I mean, actually I'll just ask, ask you flat out because I, I don't know. I, I've been in a couple, uh, bunkhouse brawls myself. Um, but I never did ask, uh, is it legal in the bunkhouse brawl to bring any weapons into it at this point? Uh, you know, <laughs> we don't really incorporate that kind of thing because, okay, you know, some, I mean, you take a guy like John Campbell, you know, the, the creature feature. We all know he's a little bit off his rocker. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, there's no telling what he could put in, in Frankenbucket. You know, we don't, true. we're not looking That's to. True. Uh, he almost blinded some... me at one point here at ONTV. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, weapons don't really come into play with us. You know, we want this to be as as level of a playing field. It's essentially is to give every wrestler on our roster an opportunity at the heavyweight championship of our promotion. Yes. You know, and that's that's what the MWO is all about. It's about opportunity, and what they do with that opportunity is up to them. Now, that's not to say that. In the past, the Marauder hasn't had a chain or, um, you know, brass knuckles or or anything like that. I mean, they do come into play, but it's not something that we're like, hey, uh, go ahead and bring anything that you want. Because, I mean, there could be two, you know, these guys are pretty creative. They're pretty scary. There's no telling what they would bring. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Thank you for calling in. Um, if, like I said, if anybody uh, has never witnessed one of these, definitely go check it out. Only five bucks at the door. Three o'clock. Absolutely. The Richfield Road Church in it. Not, is it Burton? Or uh, it, it's Flint. It okay, has a Flint ma- mailing address, but it's right on the border of Burton. 
Okay. Uh, all of the information is available on, on the MWO's uh, Facebook page. You just look for at MWO Wrestling. And, uh, you know, just, you know, it's, it's family friendly. Uh, and the fans ages five and under are free. So it's very affordable to, to bring the, the, you know, the whole family out. And we promise there will be something for everybody and you will enjoy the show. All right. Sounds fantastic. Um, and I, I will probably be there myself. Um, are you? I, I, I think I will. Uh, it's been a little while. Um, so I think I will make the trek up there myself. Trying well, to have one more last go with the belt, bad dog. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, my days are, are, are pretty much behind me, but let's just say if, uh, if I did throw my hat in there and, and somehow I, 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 I did happen to win it. Uh, I've been in battle Royals many times mm-hmm. um so I, I i do kind of know what to do in there um uh, that that would immediately springboard me like say i get a title shot win mm-hmm. lose or draw that would immediately springboard me into the annals of michigan wrestling history i would say well, so but look, if you're planning on on being a part of this thing, I may have to bust out the boots. I may have <laughs> oh. to get involved in this thing. Wait a minute! Now you've already won three. That means you're going to win. Odds are you're probably going to win four. Is that fair? All is fair in love and war, Q. We know this. <laughs> I'm just I'm just going to be a spectator. What are you doing Sunday, pal? How about you? How about you? Involved in this thing. Well, you know, I don't want to get out there and let this rookie come in the <laughs> ring and uh, toss a few superstars out. But uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not gonna talk too much more crap before I uh, have a boot in my face. So, <laughs> well, uh, okay, we do have a little bit of unfinished business. So, um, so we'll we'll see. I'm not gonna commit 100 percent yet, but. Uh, but I will be there as well. Whether it be I just I just get a front row seat or not, we will, we will see. All right, man. Looking <laughs> looking forward to you know to hanging out with you. We all know what happens when wrestlers buy tickets, right? <laughs> well, well, we'll, 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 we'll see. Like I like I said, it's uh, you know I'm I, I'm no spring chicken anymore. But uh, all right, uh, thanks for calling in, Basher, and uh, I definitely look forward to the bunkhouse brawl on Sunday. Sounds good, brother. We'll we'll see you then. All right, take it easy. Yep, you too. Bye. Bye. All right. Um, let's just uh, wrap this up really quick. Okay. Uh, so, okay. <coughs> yeah. So that so then Luger Arn Tully and Luger Arn and Tully all, all are kind of fighting each other. They all go out. What you um, seen coming from a mile away? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's just wrap this up. Very okay. fast, because I got another call coming in, too. Okay. Uh, well, actually, I'm just going to go ahead and answer it. Uh, Miss Laura Phoenix. What is going on, you How two? are you? How are you? Oh, I'm sitting here at home patiently, like... Uh, well, you know, it's kind of weird. Like I, For the first time in a while, I've actually had a chance to kick back in and be able to watch this, and, and okay. I... 
And I got to hear Jason, the mm-hmm. bachelor class, call, and he said, 25 guys. Well, guess again. Uh-oh. Make it 24. Uh-oh. And the one bad-ass biatch in the MWO is making her return at the bunkhouse bra. All right. Uh, now, is this a, a exclusive for this show right now? Uh, yes, it is. This, is. this is the announcement right here. This is the announcement. After being gone for, oh, my goodness, for the better part of – Six months. I'm. I'm finally. I'm ready to come back, and I'm. I'm. I'm fully planning on becoming the number one contender for the MWO championship. Okay. Well, this helps me make my decision because I'm on. I'm kind of on the fence, but I will say that uh, that I will probably sit this one out then because because oh. you <laughs> you and I have been involved in some battle royals uh, and, and bunkhouses before, <laughs> but. But, but I'm you, glad you said it. I not think me. I think you hit me harder than anybody else that I've ever been hit by <laughs> when I did an interview with you here at ON TV on the Doghouse segment before. And, and, and I don't thing, want you know, any I, more I, of that. After after that, though, what did we learn? You don't back talk me. Well, ever. Well, that's that that's true. I did I did learn my lesson, and there will be. Like like Basher said, twenty five other people. So I think even if I do that, I could I could still probably avoid. Avoid you. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> not. You never know. Because you all, you guys know this as well as I do. When you go into the bunkhouse brawl, the draw is random. It you is random. You're walking in that building exactly. on that day. You don't know what number you have. That's that's true. How many how many bunkhouse uh, brawls have you been involved in? Ooh. Oh, let me think here for a second. How many brawls have I been in? Yes. I don't know. I've been hitting the head a little too, little too much. Um, I want to say at I, least. I know how that is. It's been at least maybe five if not more okay um i know since i beat since i came back when since havoc and i came back um just him and i um the original time i made the decision to get into the bunkhouse brawl on a regular basis okay all right and uh it, it was kind of like a situation where like after years of being a manager i was looking into i really wanted to get into that ring and compete on a full-time basis that was right. what that was leapfrogging into okay um now are you are you the only female that's ever participated in the bunkhouse brawl i don't remember i've seen a few of them and i've been in a few of them but i don't um, necessarily I think, remember them. i i i i don't want to say yes or no to that situation i think um uh jade Okay. Uh, who is you know also a Michigan? Who's she's a former MWO um, uh, champion. Well, not like top champion, but she had hold held a belt here and there. Okay. Um, but I believe she was involved in a bunk house brawl in some form and fashion. Okay. Um, but as far as females in amongst the battle royal portion, I think I am like maybe the only one. Okay. Mm. All right. Uh, so, do you have anybody specifically? That you would like to target in in the match? Well, she said if, you. Uh, besides, uh, honest- besides me, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, it's, I know this it, looks no, like a target. It's been a while, like for for myself, you know, being a part of the M, uh, being, being a part of the MWO, that I don't have any, you know, specific targets per se. Okay. Um, and uh, and all is all is fair in love and war. Exactly. As, as Jason put it, all is fair in love and war. Right. And, you know, you know, when at, at the end of the day, will I make it to the end and go on to WrestleRama 26? 
Who knows? But you best be sure I'm going to give it one hell of a chance. I'm going to do whatever it takes. All right. And I know you will. Uh, thank you for calling in. And um, I, like I said, I will be there one way or the other. Uh, I, I might just be watching you from the front row. I'm going to convince but... them to get in the match. <laughs> <laughs> so I will see you Sunday. Absolutely. Wish you guys other. on Sunday at Richfield. All, All right. right. Take it easy and All good right. luck. All right. Thanks. Talk to you guys soon. All okay. right now. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, so let's just wrap this up okay. real quick. Um, so Luger, Ern, Tully, I'll go out the door together. I'll go out the door. Uh, Dusty. Oh, okay. So, so it ends up Dusty and Barbarian. Barbarian. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and at the very top, they're yep. battling it out of the very top. top. Dusty starts hammering with the bionic, bionic elbows. elbows. Yep. And, and then, gives them a good two bionic elbows, one to get them over the, the gate, and then one to get them off the gate. And Dusty pretty much gets booed out of the building. Pretty much. Um. So that that was uh yeah that, that was that, Bunkhouse that, that, that was pretty much it. Yeah, um, not, not too long after that, Dusty is gone as Booker mm-hmm. because he books an angle. Uh, where oh, okay, so the um the cable network's kind of getting on them about the violence, so they okay. they want them to tone down the violence. Okay, so Dusty books an angle on the TBS show. Where the Road Warriors, when they came in with those giant spikes, mm-hmm. they end up unscrewing the the Road Warriors end up turning heel. They uh, unscrew one of the spikes and ram it in Dusty's eye. Wow! Dusty bleeds all over the place. Dusty pretty much immediately gets fired as Booker. Goes to WWF, and that's where he ends up with Sapphire and the polka dot and deal, the polka dot deal, uh, which pretty oh. much everybody knows it's a rib, even though Bruce Pritchard denies that. Yeah, it was a rib. It's a rib. Yeah. Virgil was named after Dusty Rhodes, whose, whose real name is Virgil Runnels. Yeah. That was a rib on him, too, because yeah. he was like basically their only competition at the time. He was yeah. the booker. So, yeah, there's no denying that that was a rib. Dusty, to his credit, though, got the polka dot thing over. He, oh, he made it over. Yeah. Yeah, he, he made it what it was. Yeah, well, he's Dusty Rhodes. So. Right. So, uh, so Dusty ends up being the bunkhouse brawl, cha- or uh, the bunkhouse stampede, Champion three times in a row. And the like only said, NWA. I was about to say, yeah, he's only, they did it three Bunkhouse champion. Um, so, overall, what would you rate the oh Bunkhouse Stampede final paper? Out of what, 10? Uh, <laughs> three, three, four. Really? That, that low? Yeah. I, I just, I, 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 hey, I, I agree with you. I mean, I mean, how can, how can you do that? The length of it itself. Yeah. You only give, you only do four matches. One of them ends in a time limit draw. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of action in that one. Nope. Like we said, the Wyndham Zabisco one's good. The, the Flair and Hawk was good for it was. The main right. event was just kind of a. It was, if it wasn't, if it was anything other than, well, like you said, that's what they did back in the day. Every match had to conclude in the steel cage. Yeah. So that everything was, everything got blown off in the steel, steel cage. cage. Yeah, so right. it, I mean, that was a poor decision, but Dusty Rose booking and him winning was Dusty Rose booking. So I mean, exactly. So I, you know, it if it wasn't for the spike deal with uh, the Road Warriors, mm-hmm. I think Dusty Rose would have probably been on his way out mm-hmm. anyway. 
Yeah. Um, again, like Greg Gagne said, Dusty books Dusty, as evident by this. But, uh, but hey, Dest- Dusty at least got to call himself the Bull of the Woods for the three times. The three times. The three times. The three times. Exactly. Do I want to mention <coughs> really quick? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Astronomicon. Yes. Is coming up this weekend at the Wyndham Garden. Gardens. Yep, in- the Wyndham Gardens in Sterling Heights. Um, we'll be there shooting. Filming, so if you guys want to come out, we'll be there. Are you guys going to be there Sunday. all weekend? I think just Sunday. I want to say okay. Sunday. Right. Um, but, yeah, if you guys want to come on out, we'll be there. Chat it up with us. Talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. You okay. know, we're very friendly. <laughs> uh, now, there, there's going to be some WWE wrestlers there? Yeah, I know the Boogeyman's going to be there. I want to say the Boogeyman's there all weekend, and I know Alexa Bliss is going to be there. I think she's just Saturday. And Lita's going to be there. I want to see Lita's there all weekend. This event is actually huge for wrestlers. Um, okay. Last year they had Goldust was there. I want to say the Godfather was there. Now, is it is this uh, put on by the Insane Clown Posse? Am, am I right? The, it's they the, have something to do with it, right? Yeah, it's t- t- yeah. they have something. They know the guys that put it on. Okay. Yeah, so um, – I'm drawing a blank. It's been a long week. I apologize. But yeah, no problem. Yeah. Um, they know the guys that put it on. Twisted or uh, Twisted. Yeah, yeah, probably twisted. twisted. Yeah, it's twisted. Okay. All right. So if you don't go to the MWO Bunkhouse Brawl or or go to both. Go to both. I, I think you could like hit the uh, Astronomicon earlier and then head on up to the Richfield Road Church. Exactly. Check out the MWO Bunkhouse Brawl later on. Watch Mad Dog uh, make his triumphant return to the ring. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll we will see. Uh, anyway, thank you so much on the very short notice that I gave you for, you for being here. Me. And, um, again, for the third time, um, I'm coming and, for and you. I'm sure it won't be I the got, last time. Nope. I got 21 more times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks for Jason, the basher Klaus for calling in. Thank you, Laura Phoenix for calling in and, uh, we will see everybody Next time, thank you for tuning in to Wrestling 2.